Alphabet Flight Encyclopedic Marvel Journey, where I go through the official handbook of the Marvel Universe with a guest, uh, and we talk about all the characters you know and love and have forgotten as well. My name is Jesse, and with me today is someone who really hates people who want archaeology degrees. Rob! Hello! Hey, if, you, if you're about to finish your uh, finish your doctoral thesis for archaeology, you better stay away from Rob. He's about to mess your life up. Like that's right. So, so today we're going to be talking about uh, the reason for havoc existing and getting his powers at a super late age. Uh, the living monolith. Ooh, and it, originally the living pharaoh. Bad outfit. So. So we have, so we have like a gray, it looks gray on the page. Yeah, and I'm not sure if he's supposed to be like made of stone at this point, or if this is Marvel not quite knowing how to color Middle Eastern people yet. It's one or two of those things. He looks more stone-like than anything. Yeah. Like, I could possibly think that maybe it's like a, uh, like a person with a darker complexion that wasn't outside for a very long time, like in like a, in with a poor diet, maybe? Yeah. Like, a sick Middle Eastern person. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, it, it, he's and that's not the part that I'm, like, upset about. Uh, because there's a lot more going on. It looks like he's wearing, like, a metal wrestling singlet. Yes. Um, who thought that was a good idea? <laughs> like, who thought? I mean, it's Egypt. It gets hot. I mean, yeah, I mean, it does get hot. But you don't put metal on. I guess. Some, I mean, yeah. That, that is not going to breathe. Yeah, it's definitely not going to breathe. Um, so, uh, also, somehow attached to his back is like, I would say it's equivalent to the Doctor Strange collar. Yeah, it's like that if it was like made of sheet metal. Yeah, and somehow attached to his back. He also has like fins. Like, there's too many things going behind his head Mm -hmm. going on. And he also has metal boots, which with, like, holes in them, which they don't look like they have real good arch support. Or how would you be able to walk in them, really? Uh, so, it's it's not a great look. And if you want to look, see what, how, but, like, you know, I said that the last, uh, that Lilith had a great fit. This is a bad fit. Oh, yeah. So, so like, you know, if you want to see that, you can go to at Alphabet Flight on Instagram and Twitter, and you can see the picture of this very gaudy-looking man. What is your brief one-sentence synopsis? of uh the living monolith or the living pharaoh. Uh he's a he's a guy who's really big on Egyptology who also absorbs energy and eventually became a big stone guy. Yep, yeah, and we're not talking about we're not talking about uh it the living colossus which is just if you get mad enough around it you just turn into it. Uh, <laughs> we're not talking about that. For a while, I kind of got them effect, uh, mixed up because they're drawn—they're just drawn as like big, tall stone people. But you know, I—I've I, now learned the errors of my mistakes and errors of my ways, and now I now I can tell the two large stone people apart real well. So, uh, his real name is Ahmet Ab- uh, Abdal. Occupation is archaeologist, Egyptologist, cult leader, would-be conqueror, now planet. Good work if you can get it. I mean, you know, if if I could make money by being a planet, I definitely would. You know? 
Well, I mean, you know, you don't really need money. You, you don't eat and you don't uh, need a place to live because you just live in outer space. Oh, yeah, I guess. I don't know. I would still somehow tax, like, the people who live on me, though. Be like, hey, I'll shake, I'll shake you up real bad if you don't give me money <laughs> somehow. I guess throw it on the ground. <laughs> throw it on the ground in a hole somewhere? I don't know. Uh, but... He is a citizen of the United States with a criminal record. I mean, sorry, citizen of the Egypt with a criminal record. Does that count if you become a, a planet? Can you arrest a planet? I, I need to know. Can you arrest a planet? Uh, I'm going to say yes, because uh, I just read an Avengers story in the current Avengers book uh, by Jason Aaron and Ed McGinnis, in which the... um. Shiar have an entire prison galaxy. I guess you can. So you could definitely imprison a living planet inside a prison galaxy. Okay. Well, if you put it that way, yes, I have read that. You know, I, I push out a lot of uh, Shiar and Kree. Sometimes scroll, like half of the scroll stuff. There's there's a lot of just like cosmic stuff I just ignore. <laughs> For some reason, even though I'm kind of into all the cosmic books right now, I just really don't like. Sh I don't know. I don't want to get into why I don't like Shi'ar too much, but you know. Uh, so his place of birth is uh, well. Sorry, his other aliases is the Living Pharaoh and the Living Planet. I mean, I feel like the Living Planet was already taken, but you know, it's so whatever. Mm -hmm. Um, he, he his place of birth was Cairo, Egypt. And uh, he's a widower. Um, it's you know you hate to see it. Uh, I mean I know he's like really old, <laughs> so it had to happen. Uh, but uh, so it was uh, Feline, uh, well, Feline, um His or wife. I, is, I, I call it maybe Filene. Filene, Filene. Uh, so Filene is his wife who's dead, and then Shalom. That's Shalom. I'd that? say Salome. Salome, I don't know. That looks like Shalom. <laughs> but I, I uh, think wrong Middle Eastern religion. Maybe. Uh, but Salome is his daughter, who's also deceased. And a group of affiliation, leader of religious cult. Mm. Um, <laughs> I love this base of operations. Formerly the Nile Valley, Egypt, now distant solar <laughs> system. <laughs> uh, he first appeared as the living pharaoh fairly early on. And um, issue, uh, or sorry, the X-Men, issue 55, sorry, 54, in March 1969, Wanted, Dead or Alive, Cyclops. And, uh, I, I agree with this cover a lot. Um, it, I believe it that's has Neil Adams. Yes. And that's, that's, that's nice Neil Adams. It's pretty good. So you have, you know, you have... The O5, uh, even though uh, you have the O5 here, and you have like a real big, you have like a like a real big tall man, and that was the living pharaoh before he turned into the living monolith. Uh, you have Iceman, um, just you know, just being like, "Hey, I don't want to get hit by this." And Angel doing something, <laughs> don't know if it's effective or not. Uh, the pharaoh seems to be shooting out some beams, while uh, Cyclops is shooting out some beams of concussive force out of his portal eyes. Uh, you have, uh, and you also have B-52. 
Beast, who's before he got into his blue furry form, sometime in the late uh, was it early eighties he did that or mid eighties? It was it was the seventies, I believe. No, no, it was late seventies. It was eighties. Yes. Kind of, okay, so late seventies. So he's just you know a guy with big feet and hands, mm-hmm. and he's kind of looks like he tripped on something. And just way in the back, just like way in the back. I almost didn't see her at first. You have Marvel Girl. Just poking her eyes out. And, and of course, it must be said, Warren is wearing that horrible uh, post-graduation costume with the suspenders. Yeah, it's not great. It's not great at all. But but yeah, we have uh, – it's, it's, it's definitely a cover of X-Men. It's. I don't think it's an era that I'm super familiar with. It's sort it's, of towards the end of that original Silver Age X-Men run, where the book was just slowly headed towards the end. Yeah, and then it got revived by giant size X-Men, pretty much, and then we have the Claremont era, basically, right after that. Well, and, well, for a long time, it was um, not being published. It was uh, reprints. Yeah, it was just reprints, and that, that got enough people in a newer generation of readers to be interested in it, and then... Mm-hmm. We kind of just, uh, and then that's when we got the big, long, complicated, overwrought, purpley prose, uh, Cyclops being the worst, uh, X-Men. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So, uh, speaking of Cyclops being the worst, uh, his brother shows up at some point with this, but, uh, his final appearance, though, was Marvel Graphic Novel Issue Number 17. Of course, this was the um, the famous uh, Marvel graphic novel that started with the most important story to happen in the original Captain Marvel's life, uh, him dying uh, with the death of Captain America. But I mean, Captain Marvel uh, in that one. What was that one? Yeah, it was. It was just called Revenge of the Living Monolith. Mm. Looked like it had a bunch of Avengers. Yes, I think Spider Man's involved in it. I know uh, David uh, Michelini wrote it. So, uh, he was born in Cairo, Egypt, uh, and he grew up in al or I said that wrong, al mm. Um One of the city's suburbs, as a young boy, uh, Abdal, fantasized about becoming a modern-day pharaoh. As, uh, well, of Egypt. In reality, however, young Abdul was frequently mistreated by bullies Probably he's talking about uh, pharaohs. Probably. Uh, he found his comfort, however, in his friendship with a young girl named... Uh, I looks like Fanile. I think it's Filene. 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 Uh, the two became romantically involved with one, uh, with one another as the years passed. Abdal uh, devoted himself to his studies and eventually claimed to have found proof uh, that his family was linked to the pharaohs of ancient Egypt. Abdal later married uh, Feline and became a junior professor in archaeology at the American University of uh, uh, at Cairo. Uh, Feline uh, gave birth to Abdal's daughter, Shalom, <laughs> <laughs> or Salam Salame, so- Solome, Solome. Yeah, Solome was Salome. Salome was still an infant when uh, Abdal. Sur- uh, Asserted in a public lecture that the pharaohs would have, would have, would have been means of superpowers. Many of the members of the audience were outraged and stormed off the stage, forcing Abdal to flee the auditorium, accompanied by uh, 
Feline, uh, who carried uh, Salome in her arms. Abdal drove her, drove himself, his wife and his baby daughter off in his car at high speed. I have a question for you. Like, wasn't there a couple mutant, <laughs> actual couple mutant pharaohs? No. Uh, you know, well, I'm not I, sure. The, the only actual pharaoh who I think we, um, I'm trying to think of historical pharaoh. I mean, obviously there's, uh, Pharaoh Ramatut, who is actually Kang, who is not a mutant, but just a, a guy with, uh, advanced 31st century technology. Yeah. I just think it's kind of, like, I don't think that's, like, an outrageous claim if you live in the world where, Mal- like, the Marvel world. Uh, there's also Pharaoh Akhenaten, who, uh, I believe was cosmically enhanced. Mm. But I'm not uh, sure if any were actually mutants. But, I mean, it's not impossible. I mean, I don't, I just feel like it's not a impossible claim, though. No. I, I just don't feel like it. Like, maybe, maybe I'm just, you know know too much about the Marvel Universe. Well, and obviously we know that uh, N. Sabiner uh, Me, of course, yes. was, uh, was active at the time. But I don't think you would have been around at this point, though. That was more what? of a late 70s, 80s thing. Oh, no, oh, the, yes, no, he definitely was not around. He wasn't around until, I believe, the late 80s. Okay. Shaken by the crowd's reaction to his speech, Abdul did not notice the children in the path of his speeding car until uh, uh, Feline noticed them and warned him at virtually the last moment, Abdal swerved the car to get out of the way, but the vehicle crashed and began to burn. Abdal and Salome had been thrown free and were relatively unharmed. Did they just put a completely different name in here? But Fatima, that's not even the right... Yeah, that's definitely a typo. It should be Filene. Yeah, Filene, okay. Because Fatima is like a name. Like, I recognize that name. I know mm-hmm. someone with that name. Mm. But, you know, whatever. Um, was trapped in the overturned car, uh, realizing that the flames were nearing the gas tank. Abdal desperately tried to get the car door open to rescue her, but in vain, since the door's metal had been twisted and fused. Seeing, uh, seeing the members of the mob from the lecture hall behind him, Abdal begged them for help, but they were uh, remained impassive, and the gas tank exploded killing Feline. Enraged without knowing what no, what he was doing, but acting by instinct, Abdal unleashed a power bolt at the crowd who, uh, who fled. This was the first known instance of Abdal's use of his superhuman, pow- uh, superhuman powers. The grieving Abdal was then approached by an- another man who addressed him as master, and told him that he would show Abdal the la- uh, latter's true identity. This stranger took Abdal and Salome to an ancient temple that was hidden deep in the Egyptian desert, and that was a meeting place for a religious cult that existed for centuries. This cult worshipped the pharaohs of ancient Egypt and as gods, and had been awaiting the coming of the new Egyptian God King. The cult had been intrigued by Abdal's past writing about the pharaohs. On witnessing Abdal's use of superhuman powers against the mob, the cult member decided that Abdal was a living was a living god who the cult long awaited, believing that perhaps he could now gain the power that he 
always longed for. Abdal became the leader of this cult, under the name the Living Pharaoh. He sent uh, Salome away to a school in uh, Malta, while heading the cult over the years in, a sec- in secret. Abdul continued to lead a public career as a university professor and renowned uh, Egypt- Egyptologist. Now, this is the part where we're going to skip over a bunch of stuff, <laughs> because it's a bunch of Havoc stuff. Yeah, you know, he, he, he finds that Havoc's latent powers are somehow interfering with his own ability to absorb cosmic radiation, so he kidnaps him, there's some... S- some stuff happens. Um, Alex's powers end up activating, and he becomes Havoc. Yeah, ruining him ever getting his degree, because he just wants his degree. He gets to he wear def- a bunch of cool hats, though. Yeah, I mean, you know, some people who are named Rob, that is not the one on this call, really likes them for some reason. I don't know. You know, things like that. Yeah, so he, he fought the X-Men, later he fought uh, Thor and uh, Spider-Man in Marvel Team-Up, and uh, then he made his big push where he was going to fight, um, you know, he was going to finally achieve, you know, his godhood, uh, kidnapping the Fantastic Four and uh, sort of using their own cosmic pa- cosmic energy powers. And in the midst of all this, his daughter, his... Uh, joined his organization secretly under a fake name. And she, uh, she ends up getting captured, but to prevent her from talking, he uh, uses like a, like a suicide device to kill her from afar. Not realizing, I think at this point, that it's his daughter. Yeah. So he, he, he gets bigger and bigger. He's fighting all kinds of superheroes. But then he, he finds out, you know, that he's, he's killed his daughter and that he's, you know, endangering innocence. So he sort of, uh, so Thor creates a space warp with his hammer and just, and the monolith willingly goes into space. And where he's be also becoming like a, like a giant rock man. A, a living monolith, as it were. And he grows to a planet size. Yep. He, uh, basically at the, like, at a certain point, um, after he was, after a little bit, uh, he was growing to a point where he couldn't stop. Like, basically, his body was not taking to the, uh, all of the, um, cosmic radiation and stuff he was absorbing. Mm. And, uh, yeah, he just kind of becomes a planet. Um, which I don't know if that's actually death, though, because he's technically still alive. Yeah, I mean, he's still like, conscious. And in fact, he has come back. Since then, he was uh, part of the big uh, The Twelve storyline, where Apocalypse assembled twelve important mutants to do something or other. Yeah, you know, The Twelve, that really influential story. I mean, it, it was twelve. sort of like a big thing. Like There was a lot of build-up to it, where everybody was all, oh, The Twelve. Anyway, uh, uh, also of note, this is not a direct comeback for him, but a little chunk of his big rock toe broke off fell to Earth, and ended up possessing a uh, college student who fought Spider-Man for a couple of years, or for a couple of issues, rather, in a sexy pharaoh costume. You know, you know sometimes sometimes you uh, get inhabited by a toe, yeah. and you go to the Spirit Halloween, and you're just <laughs> like, hey, what if, I was, what if I was a ruler of Egypt? Well, she'd, I'd be sexy. <laughs> and then, yep. That's something. So, 
I think we're pretty much done with him. I'm going to be honest, I don't care about him. He has the prerequisite, like, big X-Men villain powers. Oh, yeah. Like, like it's just, like, nigh invulnerable, can shoot energy blasts. But but his being a mutant is kind of incidental to his whole thing, so he, uh, so he's not, he's never become, like, a really core X-Men villain. Yeah. It really, really, really is his biggest thing is just ruining Alex's life. Pretty much. That's his main thing. Well, his him and Polar, Polaris's life, or Lorna, oh, Lorna at that point, uh, you know, the on and off again uh, daughter of Magneto. Magneto has a lot of on and off again kids. Yes, he does. I think she's currently his only living one. Think, so. but when th- did Tickman not have, have have any of the other ones brought back? Uh well I mean I think his he's he had one daughter um who like died when she was a child in like uh, p- uh like immediately after the first world war or second world war rather and then Wanda and Pietro are no longer his so I think it's just Polaris oh oh yeah that would have been before Cerebro was existed so yes. there wouldn't be a copy of and I'm Cerebro. not even sure if she was a mutant I mean she might have been I mean, she might have been I mean, she was like okay. six so there was really no way to tell at the time yeah. You know, the only way you can tell with with uh, with those mutant babies is, you know, smack them on the bottom and see if another one pops out. Mutant babies, <laughs> they'll make your dreams come true. Uh, So, I do love me some J- Jamie Madrox. He's pretty good. He's real great. Uh, so, uh, I do like that he immediately had his powers, though. It's just like, they like they just realized he was mute because like they, they did that the little, you know, make the baby cry so they mm. breathe real big. And like it's just like oh another one, and then double babies. Yeah, you know double. You know they they weren't expecting twins, but <laughs> <laughs> well, um, I think we're pretty much done. Yeah, I mean, so I mean, is there anything else you want to say about the? Not much, uh, no, except for the, yeah, this costume uh, really needs some pants. Yeah, that guy's going to be in chafe hell. I mean, also just metal. Yeah. It's just metal. Um, so, so yeah, I think we're pretty much done. So let's do the, uh, let's do the plugs. All right. So I am a member of the Marvel research team and, uh, co- coming out in April and available for pre-order now is the Empire Handbook. If you want to get in on the ground floor of the upcoming Marvel crossover in which the, uh, the Skrulls and Kree unite under Emperor Hulkling, uh, you're going to want this handbook, which uh, details the key players, be they Kree, Skrull, Kotati, or human. So, um, yeah, my name's Jesse. I have another podcast called Creepy Critters, where I talk about cryptids in similar detail. I also have a podcast called uh, Limited Theories, where I talk about limited uh, comic series, mostly Marvel. Um, and, and uh, yeah, this has been Alphabet Flight. Justice is served. Good Good night. night.